Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Anderson. This episode features content from an educational symposium titled Accelerating the Pace Toward the End of the HIV Epidemic. During this podcast, Dr. Linda Gale Becker, Director of the Desmond Tutu HIV Center, past President of the International AIDS Society, and Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Cape Town in Cape Town, South Africa, discusses strategies for and the importance of engaging and re-engaging patients with HIV in their care. To follow along with the accompanying slide set, please visit the link in the show notes for this episode. Now, let's get started and hear what Dr. Becker has to say about HIV care and art persistence. So you've heard at this conference uh, that we, you know, we're behind on the 90s. Um, and perhaps we've always been behind on the 490, right? That's the one that really cares about the quality of care that our patients get. And it just got harder. We now have 95, 95, 95, and 95. Um, so that last um, goal is to care about the whole patient, their comorbidities, everything that's about them, and their self-perceived quality of life. And, and this is about retaining people in care. Why would people stay if they didn't feel welcome or they didn't feel particularly like they were thriving? And so this for us, I think, is the biggest challenge as healthcare workers. How do we organize our services so that people do feel that, in fact, they want to stay in our care? And Kumar showed this already. I'm now on that right side, which is not only, of course, do we want them to come into our care. And I will say, as somebody who cares a lot about adolescent health, we often find them very much, you know, wanting to stay engaged in care. Where we struggle is with adherence. So, so they come back to our care. They want to be in our care. They love the love, uh, but they don't really like to take the pills. I'm hoping that, you know, with the onset of injectable uh, therapeutics, we may have more options for adolescents. But definitely youth and adolescents are, are one of our challenge groups, but also patients that are just sick and tired of, of coming to our services, kind of seeing the same old thing. Sometimes in some of our cases, in our parts of the world, you can sit in a queue for five hours, you know, to get your pills at the end of the queue. Um, and I'm not surprised. Some people go off and say, let me try some alternative medication or maybe God will hear me um, and sort me out. So, you know, many reasons why people don't stay in our care and many reasons why they don't take our pills. So it was some time actually into the trajectory, into the the lifespan of antiretroviral um, care that we came around to realize that people cycle in and out of care. We're also now recognizing PrEP can look like this, right? But certainly it was a kind of a revelation that, you know, they don't stay in treatment, stay in treatment forever. You know, we're not dealing with non-human primates here. Um, you know, these are humans who who have all the difficulties that go with their their lives. They 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 have you know, challenges on a regular basis. And so in this retrospective population-based cohort study, which was done in North Carolina, many patients, you can see there is this extraordinary group of people who stay in care. I don't know those people. That's not me, right? <laughs> but that amazing group of people who who just link in and then stay about a quarter in this study. Then there's those who really feel fatigue. Uh, there, there, there's the group who start slow, but then pick up. And I think that as they start to feel better and they get in the rhythm and they habituate, they and and perhaps they're in a nice uh, environment, 
they stick around and then there's some that are just all over the place. And for me, that's most of my patients. Things happen. Life happens. You can be a great patient for some of the time and then, you know, really struggle at other times. And we really need to recognize this um, in, in the people we serve. So uh, here's a, another look at uh, Ryan White Clinics in the U.S., uh, where the definition of, of staying in care, retention in care was more than one outpatient visit by September 1 of the measurement year, with a second visit at least 90 days after the first 80% annual care retention during a period. And what you see here is that the people who struggled most were those who were somewhat younger, those who were using VA health benefits, and those who had structural problems, unstable housing, um, were the ones who really struggled. Uh, so the message here is outreach, peer navigation, navigation, uh, love and support um, can really help to engage and then, of course, importantly, re-engage people. So let's talk now about adherence because it's no good just coming for care, right? You've got to, you've got to take the treatment uh, to get all the benefits that we've spoken out. And what about those particularly who've fallen out of care? And... Again, I'm hoping you've really heard by now at this conference and from before that we are really recommending differentiated service delivery to deal with this. So this is the when, the who, the where, the what. Um, and, and now this morning I did a session that we should also be doing this for prevention. So really we can take some of the ideas uh, that we need in treatment into prevention and vice versa. So we want to know when we need to see these people. Maybe we can see them less frequently and make it a little easier for them. Who should be seeing them? Maybe it isn't always, you know, a specialist physician. Maybe sometimes this can be a, a lay person who can intervene. Where is it possible we can go out of, um, you know, brick and mortar buildings and, and see people in different settings? And what are we offering at each of these visits? Maybe this can be differentiated in its own right. And I think this talks to integration as well. What are those services we're supplying for, for individuals down the pike. And South Africa, I'm pleased to say, I mean, this is the silver lining. We've, you know, we really do have the biggest treatment program in the world. And it's meant we've had to differentiate because we just haven't been able to completely um, engage with people in, in a sort of standard way um, just because of masses. And as I say, those clinics got incredibly long. So we've moved to differentiated service deliveries that are actually endorsed by our government and here you see a variety of them. Um, external pickups, such as a preferred uh, collection modality. This was particularly the case in COVID-19. And we have these like post boxes where you can go and pick up your pills in a post box. There's even an ATM that so you can, you know, get your pills out of an ATM. Um, private pharmacies, community points, lockers, etc. You can do a facility pickup for those individuals who prefer to go to uh, to their own uh, facilities and then adherence clubs particularly work, works well for people uh, who want to engage with their peers um, and have some some input there. And uh, this all is facilitated by a chronic dispensing unit that the government runs. We, during COVID, had a courier service for our adolescents and overwhelmingly the adolescents wanted this courier service. And so we've maintained it even outside of COVID because they just prefer to actually pick up their pills in the community away, away from our clinics. What about uh, adherence interventions across the HIV care cascade, those people with decrease? So where we pick up that people are struggling, 
what can we do? And this is really important. Um, so there are enhanced adherence counseling strategies, and you can see how well that worked. Uh, novel intensive adherence counseling, uh, which, you know, may help people to have strategies to improve their adherence. Everything from getting a, a somebody to observe their therapy uh, to home visits, etc. In many cases, it's it's about individuals having to struggle with other priorities, you know, getting food on the table, keeping the lights on. Um, and so economic strengthening uh, programs can be really important here as well, really encouraging individuals to uh, to to cope with daily living. Uh, behavioral self-regulation programs, helping people cope, just understanding how they can rely and find self-reliance. Sometimes that's kind of the coaching we get in, in our more corporate lives works very well for our, for our patients as well. Quality of care improvement. Um, this is about us, right? We don't have always quality of care. And, and this strategy was really about improving the kind of services we, we provide. Um, tracing by peer counselors. So this we rely on heavily sending out um, outreach workers into the community to find individuals, cash transfers again, another kind of economic strengthening, and sometimes just simple food. Um, and, and I fear that this may get worse as we move into a time when I think, you know, malnutrition and, and just poverty is going to play a terrible, um, a terrible impact on, on our care. So, um, here is one that South Africa, following on Mozambique, has made famous these adherence clubs, the sort of group concept. I think about it as a quick pull pickup. Um, people come together, but the most important thing is they can get their pulls very quickly and be out of there in no time at all. And here's a retrospective analysis by um, a colleague of mine who, who looked at 465 people and then looked at viro virological suppression rates in people who went to adherence clubs versus those who didn't. And, and those who went to adherence clubs, this helped. Uh, also, loss to follow-up was reduced by people who met in these groups. And what happens is the pills are brought. Or in the Mozambique model, there was one individual went to fetch the pills for the rest of the group. Uh, you know, wonderful sort of mentorship and, and, and Ubuntu, we, we call that, you know, helping each other um, to, to, to get by. Um, and then, importantly, satisfaction, this fourth 90 coming to play. So very simple uh, structure here, but so important to say, what are the goals we want to think about when we're thinking about improved retention and care? Well, let's work towards self-care, empowering patients to worry that they need to see their viral load suppressed. Um, be proactive about it wherever possible. Don't wait for them to fall out of care or to drop their viral load. We really or increase their viral load. We really want to um, be proactive. And, and of course, rapport. With adolescents, this is absolutely key. Adolescents are looking for that rapport. And we so often, you know, overlook that. We don't spend the time that is required. It may not be us. Maybe there's somebody else in the clinic who can really work at that rapport if we don't have time. And then there are other pharmacological measures we can be using, such as point of care, Via, uh, virological feedback right away to give people the, the biofeedback. You are winning in this game. Um, and there are now these uh, sort of urine-based drug assays, which can also give positive feedback, other pharmacokinetic tools and, and interventions that can be used. 
What about high risk groups? And I'm not going to go through all of this. These slides are going to be available to all of you, but we do need to think about tailoring our strategies. So postpartum woman, if any of you have been pregnant and breastfeeding, you will know that the, you know, it's hard to, to manage even a daily pull regime when you're also managing a new young uh, being who is dependent on you. So the postpartum era, really important for making sure that people stay linked. And um, here, here is uh, a study where they looked at community art adherence clubs. Folk who use and, and, and misuse drugs or, uh, you know, uh, inject uh, use and have opioid use disorders are very important in terms of thinking about uh, their care. And often linking our antiretroviral supply to harm reduction is very important. Similarly, in incarcerated people. Um, and finally, adolescents, I've already spoken quite a lot about them, how they need our tailored care. So maybe I'm going to ask, I'm going to start on the end also with Chloe. What, what fun things do you do in your clinic, Chloe, to keep people interested in your care? Yeah, I'm not sure we're very fun, actually. Um, sorry. We're very fun. I think we're quite, we're quite pragmatic. We just, oh, we're an adult service and uh, yeah, you're making me feel very uncreative actually. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we offer appointments. We, we do deliver, we, we deliver, we do home deliveries. That's probably the, what the best I can say for us. We do home deliveries. Well, I think, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's mm. pretty huge. I, mm. I think saving a, a trip to a clinic, particularly mm. with the price of petrol these days, that's probably, and, mm. and everything that's going up, I think that's probably huge. But, mm. uh, you know, I, I appreciate, um, you know, again, in an adult service, maybe it is pragmatism that, that's mm. most important. Baba Feni, what about you? What about the engage, re-engagement in care? Um, anything? Well, re-engagement in our practice is really driven by the social workers, and um, most of it is done by you know, telephone or text messaging. And if we're unable to find the uh, the individual, we sometimes will go out to look for them. But they just, I think, the, the proportion of our patients who of our population that really needs that now is is getting smaller for for some reason, which we're very uh, thankful for. But they do have, I think the key for us has been that interpersonal relationship between, because sometimes the patient might refuse to come see me, but I'll just hear from my social worker that, oh, X and X called yesterday and wanted this and that, and that might be the opening that brings them back to care. Right, right. Kumar, is it a, I mean, do you, you know, I know our clinics are often really, really busy. Is, is it a problem for you, engagement, re-engagement, adherence? Yeah, it's very different from, you know, those countries, you know, similar like in South Africa. We try to give all those information to those patients that getting engaged with the care, how good for you and your quality of life will be similar like someone who don't have HIV and life expectancy. Now, based on the studies, you know, our counselors spend a lot of time with them to make sure that they get engaged in the care. And we also do all those uh, courier deliveries of antiretroviral treatment, you know, at their homes so that they don't need to come to the clinics often, get crowded, and as well as uh, lose their days of age and, uh, again, stigma where neighbors won't know that, you know, where they are gone and all those. Uh, so we do all those type of uh, various supportive services, make sure that they feel at home and get the proper medications. We also do a lot of telemedicine counseling, that good thing, because in India, 
patients all everyone wants a mobile phone so cheap and uh, you know all those uh, we do send reminders they love to watch that and as well as our counselors call them uh, with their concern at the appropriate time so so we do every efforts to make sure that they are here to enter the treatment great Chloe, I'll come back to you just because the U equals U. Are you guys using that much? I want to, yeah. I'm just, so so that is something that makes a difference. Yeah, think, the you know? U equals U is huge. And we've got posters all over the, the clinic and it's probably the most powerful tool. You know, it's the thing that I find most powerful. It's the first thing I say to someone when they're diagnosed, the one of the very first things I tell them mm. that, you know, it's the one of the biggest worries and it's one of the most powerful things. In a normal life expectancy, U equals U is just what I repeat to a newly diagnosed person, you know, just on and on. Mm. So, so I'm, I'm doing a survey, a mini survey here. So Kumar, what about in India? Is that something that's caught on there yet? You know, it's of course in a select population, still HIV, a huge uh, stigma disease. But someone who has been serodiscardant couple, we tell them, make sure that took the medications and also you know people who have got other partners so so we give them like a package of care but again individualize this care on the select population so baba feni i'm going to end with you in the states but also with a reflection for nigeria what do you, what 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 do you think u equals u sort of hit the hit the ground there yet or not really oh i think so it's one of the things that people are beginning to know about and embrace and it's really a significant, uh, if you want to call it, selling point in the discussion with patients, uh, with, with, uh, with clients. I think a sort of relatively easy tool that perhaps we haven't exploited as much as we should and something we can think about doing. So we have a patient perspective here, and this is my very good friend, Lillian. So for me, the message to the healthcare providers is it is important to understand people, to understand their situations to put yourself in their shoes so that you understand the situation better. That If I come to you and I say, today I'm not there and I may not make it, then you'll understand and probably see how to support me so that I don't miss my ARVs and I don't, you know, default. But what we see is a lot of stigma and discrimination. We see a lot of blame for people living with HIV. You have not come, so you don't care. Yeah, I must say we, we have had a study going on return to care, just getting healthcare worker attitudes right about that, not scaling people out. You know, you've, the out, poor outreach worker goes, finds somebody, brings them back, and then the nurse shouts at them because they've, you know, they haven't been back. Um, so you, you, you have so to work fun. at that. Um, all right. So the take home points, everyone. And thank you for hanging in there, everybody. You've done brilliantly. Uh, you know, continuous engagement is care is, is absolutely key for us to beat this epidemic. Um, it is, we've got to see it through all the way to the end. Um, and differentiated service delivery is the way we're going to get there. It's the way we're going to improve how we do it. And there, there's some fantastic resources that I hope you've become available, aware of at this con- conference and on the International AIDS Society website as well. So again, have a look. You can choose your own journey as to what you're going to you know, put in place for your clinics. Effective adherence interventions may be different for different populations. So it is about person-centered care tailored care for the people that you are uh, servicing. Thank you very much to Dr. Becker and our panelists, and thank you to our listeners for joining in. 
As a reminder, to view the slide set for this podcast and the full Accelerating the Pace Toward the End of the HIV Epidemic program on the Clinical Care Options website, click on the links in the show notes for this episode. And please be sure to check back regularly for more episodes on important infectious disease topics. Thank you. Thank you.